I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from COP28 host Dubai in the week of the UAE's National Day, celebrating the unification of the Emirates and the fight for independence from Britain. But casting a shadow over the UAE is COP28's centre of world attention, and likewise Saudi Arabia, for this week being awarded as site of World Expo 2030, is the alleged Gaza genocide backed by NATO nations. Both Saudi Arabia and the UAE have opposed the US, UK and EU nations by calling for a permanent ceasefire fire in Palestine. Well, the leading newspaper in this region is Arab News, and with me again in the studio is its award-winning editor-in-chief, Faisal Abbas, previously editor-in-chief of Saudi Arabia's Al Arabiya English. Thank you so much, Faisal, for coming back on. Uh, let, a lot to get through uh, this time since your last uh, ongoing underground. Uh, I mean, before COP28, before Saudi Expo 2030, I suppose I should ask you about this shadow cast across this region. How difficult has it been for you personally and professionally just watching, witnessing thousands upon thousands of children uh, being slaughtered by all this NATO nation weaponry in, in Gaza, Arab News covering it every day? I sincere condolences. I, I now speak as a human being uh, and uh, an un unfortunate uh, citizen of this part of the region. Uh, condolences to every uh, citizen, every uh, uh, civilian uh, that has been killed on, uh, on either side. Uh, as an editor, it's been uh, equally painful. It's always a little bit more uh, painful when it's in your own backyard. Uh, but also, uh, it was fascinating on uh, um, to, to uh, look at how quickly things have changed. If you remember, uh, the last time I was here with you uh, in the studio over two or three months ago, the vibe was completely different. Peace. We were talking we're, about peace. Absolutely. We were talking peace. Um, actually, just a few days before, uh, in September, before um, the October 7th attacks uh, happened, we were talking about the one peace deal that's going to solve all the uh, regional problem, uh, Saudi peace normalization attached to a Saudi-Palestinian uh, deal. And it's remarkable how uh, things uh, change, but I suppose the only constant in politics is change. Arab uh, uh, news has been covering it minute by minute on the social media as well as in the, in the paper. But coverage, uh, coverage seems very different in your newspaper to a lot of NATO nation television media and, and uh, newspapers. Is it a failure of empathy? by journalists in Western Europe and the United States? Is it a failure? Is it racism against Arabs? Is it uh, the Zionist lobby that they can't appreciate what it means, regardless of Hamas? I mean, their favorite refrain is as if to uh, empathize with the survivors of this, uh, what's been called a, a Gaza Holocaust, is to somehow back Hamas. What do you feel when you see the coverage there and compare it to the coverage you're overseeing in Arab News. I am editor of Arab News. I'm responsible for what's in Arab News. I am not responsible for what is in other countries or other newspapers in other parts of the world. Just when however, you watch. However, we, we, we have had this conversation before and you know my, my, my views. Uh, I do despise lazy uh, journalism. Um, I do uh, think you cannot narrow down conflicts, wars, uh, into uh, narrow uh, or very shallow uh, terms, which is what has been happening. Uh, it seems to me 
there is this uh, obsession with black and white, with good and bad, cowboys and Indians. Um, it, it isn't. This is a 75-year-old uh, conflict, more than 50 years of uh, occupation. Um, there has been back and forth. There has been history. There has been attempts at uh, peace. Um, you know, this conflict did not start on October 7th, um, and it's just, I wouldn't say shameful, but uh, it's a disservice to the audiences uh, of those channels who uh, are led to think this whole conflict started on October 7th, which is absolutely not true. But why do you think it's happening? I mean, you oversee newsrooms and you've overseen lots of journalists before. What do you think is going through their heads in the newsrooms in London, Paris, Berlin and Washington? Uh uh, again, or New York. Again, I, I'm responsible for what's no, in my, course, my, my, course, my paper, but, but there but is a tendency. saying October the 7th, if you, if you start talking about context, if you start talking about history, you automatically somehow support the massacres of October 7th. Uh, I mean, look, part of it, in my view, is simplistic, uh, possibly lazy, possibly ignorant uh, journalism. Um, not everybody, on some part of uh, journalists, unfortunately, they happen to be working in very influential uh, media outlets. Uh, but let's not also separate the coverage from the political position. So the coverage is now becoming a bit more fair uh, across different platforms, I'm talking in general, but the political positions have also uh, changed. Um, again, uh, it was very one-sided, it was black and white, uh, Israel has the right to defend itself, full stop, and um, the, nobody uh, talks about the civilian casualties on the other side. And I, and, and I started this conversation by saying, you know, every life lost on either side, every civilian life lost on either side is a life too many. Um, so the, I think the coverage has evolved, um, has become fairer as the political position in most Western countries has also started uh, shifting. It's not there yet. After the thousands of children have been slaughtered. Absolutely. It's not there yet. Uh, we do hope to see a permanent uh, ceasefire and we do hope to see a recognition of the state of Palestine in the Security Council because that is the solution to this conflict and, uh, and that is the biggest guarantor of Israel's security. But of course, the fact that the New York Times and Amazon Washington Post then put the photographs that Arab News has been running for weeks before it, that was part of the narrative. That helped the US, UK, EU nation obsession with their saying there must not be a ceasefire narrative to take hold. The media must presumably take some of the blame for not showing the kinds of pictures that were on newspapers in, say, in Arab news and uh, news outlets across the global south. Oh, absolutely, but uh, the needle has shifted and, you know, we can criticize as much as we want uh, media and democracies, but they do have a sort of an autocorrect. It doesn't function all the time, but they do have an autocorrect function. Uh, you've seen the protests outside of the New York Times calling them the New York crimes. You've seen the walkouts of uh, employees. Uh, MSNBC have infamously and shamefully uh, stopped the programs of three of their Muslim uh, uh, presenters uh, straight a few days into uh, the conflict. They've, of course, reversed the decision after a story that we did, by the way, uh, at uh, Arab News exposing that, which I think is shameful. It's undemocratic. It's unconstitutional, actually, uh, in the United uh, States. So the needle is moving. It's not moving as quickly as we would have liked it uh, to. All we're asking here is the fair and balanced journalism that we have been promised and we've been taught in textbooks in journalism at schools. Well, of course, MSNBC deny it has anything to do with uh, 
uh, totalitarianism on, on their part. But as for They've Saudi... They've not made the statement, to be fair, uh, which says a lot. As Saudi Arabia has... Uh, uh, its policy has changed on uh, on this uh, alleged genocide. I mean, both Saudi and the UAE calling for ceasefires at the United Nations. And then Saudi Arabia, the MBS saying uh, there should be a global arms embargo on Israel. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I noticed Israel withdrew its support for Saudi holding Expo 2030, perhaps in response. Uh, very, very odd uh, response. But uh, what do you think Saudi Arabia meant by that? Because obviously all the arms being used to slaughter the thousands upon thousands of children are NATO arms from the United States and the European Union and Britain. Well, you need, well, I think what the position uh, clearly says is you need to be fair across the, bo the board. So if arms producing countries such as the United States uh, uh, embargo selling weapons to countries that they think are, cre uh, are using them uh, for genocide or for war crimes, then that should be a rule that uh, applies uh, on everybody, not have your favorites uh, excluded. What's happening here is, again, with full uh, sympathy for the innocent lives lost on October 7th. This does not justify the killing of over 15,000 uh, uh, people, innocent people. A lot of them are babies. Uh, a lot of them, uh, they have just, there's been a footage, there's been footage recently released of uh, a baby, an infant really, that uh, was picked up out of the, uh, the rubbles. By a miracle, uh, he or she is uh, still alive. But you know, you and I and possibly every human being on the planet can agree that is not a terrorist. That cannot possibly be uh, a terrorist. So where is the condemnation? Where is the uh, sympathy? And how can we allow as a humanity, uh, as countries that preach morality and uh, preach human rights for such a crime to be uh, committed? So absolutely, uh, an embargo should be uh, across the board and Israel should not be exempted if it is using these weapons to commit crimes such as these ones. Well, clearly, Joe Biden, Rishi Sunak, European leaders, they know uh, the pictures uh, of the kind you just spoke about and said Israel has the right of self-defense regardless. And they knew that uh, uh, thousands of children were being killed and still didn't change their uh, policy in any case. Um, I mean, I want to return to Expo 2030 and the announcement for Saudi Arabia. But of course, the fact that Saudi Arabia and the UAE, today UAE National Day, have taken such clear positions for a ceasefire when uh, the Americans and uh, Western Europeans are saying a ceasefire only benefits Hamas. What do you make of the lies told against the UAE about COP28 being an exercise in fossil fuel negotiation and uh, the increased arguable propaganda against Arab nations like Saudi Arabia and the UAE after their positions on Gaza? This is twofold. Allow me here to answer first about the difference in positions, uh, about the UAE and Saudi Arabia calling for a ceasefire and the US uh, opposing it. Um, I think the best answer to that is what Winston, how Winston Churchill described the Americans, is that they will do the right thing after they've tried everything else. Saying that a ceasefire uh, only benefits Hamas is very short-sighted. Uh, it is uh, shallow and it is absolutely uh, uh, wrong. Um, the reality is not on just in the, not just on this instance. There has been several previous incidents where uh, Saudi Arabia, as a U.S. ally, as a U.S. friend, have advised 
particularly the Obama administration and the Biden administration, that what they are doing uh, is, is wrong and has cautioned them that this will have uh, consequences that will harm American interests. Forget, forget about our own interests, forget about the regional interests. It will harm American interests. We warned them when they were uh, negotiating with, uh, with Iran, uh, the nuclear deal, excluding other, Iran's other um, uh, activities in, in the region back in 2016. Before Saudi detente yes, through 20, China. 2016. Um, and we warned the Obama administration that you're going about it the wrong way. And what was the answer? It was three Houthi, uh, who are aligned to Iran, three Houthi attacks on the US uh, Navy. Uh, so what's happening now is just history repeating itself. We are advising, as Saudi Arabia, as people from this region, um, the U.S., we are advising Western countries that, you know, uh, an immediate ceasefire is in everybody's benefit. But unfortunately, they cannot see through that. And the, resu the result of what they're, going, what, what they're going through now is going to be more hate crimes on the street. It's going to be breeding more uh, terror. And by that time, it will be too late. Uh, to pick up the pieces. Um, with regards to your point, uh, to your question regarding uh, COP28, look, um, I think we're at the position now in this region where we sort of got used to the uh, constant finger pointing and the double uh, standards. One has to ask, why is it that when um, uh, the UAE, um, which is a country that is doing its fair share in supporting sustainability, Gets, uh, gets a lecture uh, the, on, uh, on the fact that it's a, um, an oil-producing country. When, you know, two cups ago it happened in Scotland, we didn't see the same rhetoric. The same argument can, happen, can, can be argued regarding the World Cup in, in, in Qatar. Qatar has human rights uh, uh, abuses. I'll, I'll, hand, I'll put that, you know, I, I'll put my hands down and I, I agree, Qatar does have its human rights uh, abuses, but that does, uh, so did Russia uh, before it, and so does the United States. Which country does not have um, uh, human rights uh, abuses? Faisal Abbas, I'll have to uh, stop you there. More from the Editor-in-Chief of Arab News after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the Editor-in-Chief of Arab News, Faisal Abbas. Faisal, at end of part one, we were just talking about uh, arguably the weaponization of human uh, rights. No response, by the way, from the ICC after the Arab League OIC conference saying that Israel has to be investigated. Clear that human rights, that human rights industry is now kind of over after the uh, alleged genocide in, in Gaza. I mean, if you want to go to technicalities, then they would argue that the ICC would only look into cases when nations, where nations are... Uh, well, Israel, I uh, suppose, well, like but, they did but, to Russia. But, but, you know, the Palestine isn't recognized as a nation. But, if, but then again, if, you want, if they want to argue uh, that argument, then the right to self-defense is also only applicable against another uh, country. Exactly. Well, and the Arab not, League and OIC and have it's clearly not applicable. said they want them to Actually, It's not applicable, and this is not from me. This is from the human, uh, the Palestinian Human Rights Rapporteur at the UN, uh, Francesca Albanese, who is a human rights lawyer. Um, the right for self-defense uh, ceases to exist if you are an occupying uh, power. So there's a lot of legal uh, uh, arguments. that wasn't appreciated by any Euro Western European politician uh, uh, who clearly continually repeated that. Then, So why has the ICC been silent, do you think? What is undisputable is the collapse 
uh, of the moral high ground or the perceived moral high ground of many Western uh, countries when we see, when we allow 15,000 innocent people uh, to be uh, killed, when we allow babies uh, to be, uh, uh, you know, dug up from under uh, the rubble, um, when we uh, use uh, uh, fuel, uh, water, electricity as a weapon, um, who, uh, who gave Israel the right to be able to turn on and off water? It's a basic human uh, uh, need. And I repeat to say this, this is in no way saying what happened on October 7 is justified. But the fact you have to say that seems so... No, it's because oh, I mean, clearly the no, editor-in-chief no, of Arab News does not support the October the 7th uh, attack. Because it's very easy for people to pick and choose uh, sound bites and say, ah, but you're saying this. What I'm saying is what happened, any uh, human, uh, any innocent human life lost is a life too many on, on, on either side. But the simple fact, I mean, and, and the fact that we have to stress this is unbelievable. But that does not justify the killing. Uh, as they say, two wrongs do not make a right. You cannot kill 15,000 people because uh, you had 1,200 people. And it's not, a numbers, uh, it's not a numbers game, but you cannot give a carte blanche for a country to do whatever it wants to uh, innocent uh, people in, in this way and then retain the moral high ground. I think the moral high ground of, uh, the so-called moral high ground of many of the Western countries has now has been exposed to the whole world's population. But despite the Global South's differences with Winston Churchill, we've heard from the State Department uh, claims that, look, look what happened to Dresden in response to the Nazis. That's how the uh, NATO countries have been responding to yes, the kind uh, of criticisms uh, you're uh, making. Uh, look at Dresden, Israel's just doing Dresden again. Yeah, but two wrongs do not uh, make, uh, make a right. And you would argue that uh, that happened a few decades ago. Uh, since then, I believe there's been a lot of investment in weapon technology, precision uh, technology. Uh, and since then, you know, arguably, you should have the means to, be, to wage wars in uh, a way that causes less uh, uh, damage to civilian uh, lives and civilian uh, areas, unless you have a carte blanche uh, from the world's biggest powers to do whatever uh, you want. Thankfully, we are seeing that carte blanche slowly being with, withdrawn, a bit too late in my uh, opinion. Uh, but let us pray for a permanent uh, ceasefire and let us hope for uh, a Palestinian state because, as I said earlier, that is the only way this conflict is going to end and that is the best guarantor for Israel's security. What can Arab countries do more as regards this happening again? in another year's time, uh, say. I mean, we've seen the bombing of Damascus International Airport, the civilian airport, and we've got detente with Syria, between UAE and Saudi and Syria. Uh, they're putting aid, they're giving aid, the Saudis and the Emiratis. They are uh, at, there at the UN, forcefully saying ceasefire. Isn't, isn't oil one way to be able to enforce the issue here and save some of those uh, children, not only for COP28, reducing production in defiance of Anthony Blinken's call to increase production, but also to say, if you do this, production cuts will be greater than you will expect. 
Well, uh, oil is not a weapon in the same way that we don't want or, or we hope that Israel answers the cause and stops killing civilians. When you cut off uh, oil, you are affecting babies in incubators all across uh, the world. You're affecting school children, you're affecting the elderly. Um, you know, it's definitely not on the table and there are very wise uh, reasons why it's not uh, on the table. But uh, if you're asking me why I am optimistic that the Arab Islam Muslim approach this time is different, I'll tell you why. Uh, we are seeing an unprecedented uh, unified front uh, in, in the region with uh, support from other global powers such as Russia uh, and, and China, perhaps for the very first time in, uh, in history. Um, uh, so remember, we had the uh, detent with uh, with uh, with Iran, uh, and the Iranian leadership attended the meeting uh, in uh, Riyadh and were signatories of the declaration. Um, you had Arab uh, rifts amongst themselves that have been resolved. So you have a unified front with between Saudi Arabia and, and Qatar, which, as you know, hosts the Hamas leadership, which is a very powerful asset um, in this unified front uh, at, at the moment. So what I'm trying to say is this time we're able to do more because of... Is it unified in rhetoric not rather really. than action? No, no, not really. There is... Well, you can't have more action than uh, a well, team. theoretically, the no, no, Saudis could have sent in the military to attack Israel. There, are, uh, there is a team... Uh, of Arab foreign ministers that have done, uh, Arab and Muslim state foreign ministers that have done uh, a world tour, which have uh, started in, uh, in China and just uh, recently was in New York uh, uh, attending uh, at the United uh, Nations. Um, there, I have not seen in the past few decades a more unified Arab-Muslim uh, front, and we are hopeful that these diplomatic efforts, we are using every method uh, in the book to try to get uh, to a permanent uh, ceasefire and try to get a recognition of a Palestinian uh, state. Do you think Arab countries are frightened of Israel? We've seen in recent days Elon Musk, such a powerful billionaire with uh, X, formerly Twitter, he, he got frightened of Israel, arguably, because he was there taking a trip around uh, uh, the uh, kibbutzes with uh, Netanyahu. He hasn't taken up Hamas's uh, offer to go to Gaza. How frightened are people of Israel in this region? Well, I'll tell you, people are... Of being called anti-Semitic, clearly. Um, well, that can't be possible because we are Semites our, ourselves as, uh, as Arabs. I think this right-wing coalition um, that Benjamin Netanyahu uh, is leading... Uh, when you have one of your own minister, a cultural minister, nevertheless, saying they want to nuke uh, Gaza, I mean, I hardly can think of anybody that uh, you know wouldn't be uh, frightened if that is the if those are the words that are being uttered by a member of cabinet. Uh, so, can you just imagine if they implement that? Um, of course, they retracted the second day, but you know the fact that it it was said when you know the the defense minister uh, calls all Palestinians human uh, animals and that they will be treated as such. That is a very frightening uh, statement. If their response to uh, Saudi Arabia calling for an arms embargo was to uh, stop them uh, backing, I didn't even know they'd backed Saudi Arabia for Expo 2030. Although Israel apparently denied backing Saudi, one sign maybe of optimism, perhaps there'll be signs of optimism at COP28 for saving the, the planet. Just explain what it means that Expo 2030 will be in Saudi Arabia, um, announced this week. Um, 
I think it's a huge victory for uh, Saudi Arabia uh, in terms of its diplomatic efforts, because as you know, it took a lot of uh, lobbying, but also uh, uh, an excellent opportunity uh, to showcase the new Saudi Arabia, to showcase all the reforms uh, that have been um, um, in a very interesting coincidence called Vision 2030. So um, people will get an opportunity to come to Saudi Arabia and witness really a miracle uh, in the making because what has happened in the last seven uh, years has been unprecedented on so many uh, levels. Um, it's one of the few countries in the world where there's actually, I mean, the Crown Prince called it the success story of the 21st century, and that is a reality. Uh, when you see that we are scheduled to be the fastest growing um, economy in the G20 uh, this year, uh, when we exceed the targets set for uh, women uh, employment or uh, inclusion in the workforce. Um, we, got, we went from less than 9% to more than 36% um, in less than six years. That is remarkable. Um, and I don't want to even start talking about the architectural buildings that are being, uh, that are being created um, because that's the, easiest, uh, that's the easiest part. But it is um, a melting pot of different uh, cultures and people shouldn't be surprised. I argue you, we have been holding Expo for 1,400 years. Um, we have organized the Hajj since the days uh, of uh, the Prophet. So we are very used to welcoming people from all uh, nationalities. <laughs> and this will be an opportunity in a very different uh, context, uh, of course, but people will experience um, the Saudi hospitality and our excellence at uh, welcoming uh, okay, visitors. Well, just, just finally then, I mean, we've seen the smears against the UAE because of COP28. We'll no doubt see smears against Saudi Arabia because uh, uh, not so much it holding Expo, Expo, but because of its positions on uh, uh, numerous Global South uh, issues. What more can GCC countries do to fight that? Or maybe it doesn't care, perceptions uh, that are um, clearly created by some groups in Western Europe and in NATO nations against GCC countries, against Islam. I think we should carry on by doing the right things because they are in the benefit of our own people and of our own uh, country. And one would hope that uh, viewers, readers, listeners around the world uh, become, uh, are becoming more uh, educated. Um, you know, one, to take it back to the Gaza uh, conflict, it was uh, fascinating that, uh, you know, people are constantly asking, do you condemn uh, Hamas? Um, do you know who the biggest sympathizer or supporter uh, of Hamas uh, is? It is Benjamin Netanyahu. And those are not my words. Those are an editorial in the Times of Israel. So in one of Israel's own newspapers, they are blaming Netanyahu for what has happened. And they've said his strategy for the past 15 years of undermining the legitimate Palestinian authority in the West Bank where Hamas does not exist and while at the same time empowering Hamas, in fact, he is quoted to say, if you want to forever uh, forget or uh, uh, disable a Palestinian uh, state, all you need to do is continue to support uh, uh, Hamas. Well, it's, a, it's certainly a recruitment uh, sergeant, I think, as seen by most of the Global South, the actions of Israel armed by these NATO nations. I should just say, uh, COP28, all these important dignitaries flying in to Dubai, do you think there'll be a lot of Gaza on the sidelines and do you think there'll be success uh, stories emerging out of this while it, simultaneously we see what's going on in the West Bank, in Syria, in, 
in Gaza. Uh, the UAE is a very uh, important uh, player and hats off to them for carrying on with what they need to do with the important agenda they have for COP28, for the important agenda that they have in a lot of humanitarian aspects in their uh, mission to Mars. Uh, they continue, uh, hats off to them, they continue with disregarding the uh, virtue signaling, the finger pointing and the silliness that goes on. I think world leaders will be well advised to uh, uh, have serious conversations with the leadership of the UAE, with the leadership of uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and try to find uh, solutions uh, for, to the 21st century from the country that, as described by the Saudi Crown Prince, is going to be the 21st century success uh, story. I think there's a lot of wisdom in having these discussions and start having constructive conversations as opposed to destructive ones. Faisal Abbas, thank you. And that's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday here in host of COP28 Dubai with Dr. Ian Fry, the United Nations Special Rapporteur on Climate Change and Human Rights. But until then, keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday. <laughs>